Hello, everyone, and welcome to the 25th episode of the Trojan Venture Podcast. Happy 2024 to all of you. I know we've kind of taken a month off because of the holiday season, but I hope it was a great, you know, new year, great holiday season for everybody. And really excited to kick off 2024 with a really cool guest who's been building something really, really, really fascinating. And he actually turns out to also be a USC alum. So today I'm really excited to welcome Bobby Pinckney, CEO of DISC. Named by Rolling Stone as one of the hottest music apps in the world, DISC is a Gen Z-focused song recommendation app creating community through music and culture. Bobby, who graduated from USC in 2020, majored in business administration with a minor in computer programming, ultimately starting DISC out of his computer programming class. After graduating from USC, Bobby worked at PwC as a management consultant before deciding to work on DISC full-time. Bobby was named as a Forbes 30 under 30 for 2023 in the consumer technology sector. So I'm really excited to hear about how DISC is doing, how Bobby's experience at USC was, and kind of everything in between. So let's get him on the show. Hey, Bobby. Thanks for coming on the show. Hey, Eric. Thanks for having me. Really, really excited to have you on today, another successful USC alum and someone who has a lot to share about entrepreneurship and venture capital at USC and how that translated post-grad. And so the first question I kind of want to ask is, why did you decide to attend USC? What kind of attracted you to the school in the first place? And how do you, how did those expectations kind of meet reality? Oh, yeah, great question. Me and my co-founder, Michelle, we talk about this all the time. Uh, she attended USC as well. And I don't think we would be starting the company where we started with having gone to any other school. Um, definitely the best place for uh, what we ended up doing. I think the biggest reason that is the case is because of how multifaceted USC is. I mean, USC, you have, uh, it's a very social school. It's a very academic school. It's a very media um, focused school. I mean, you just have so many, so many areas where it's excels. And um, the combination of all those disciplines is something that was incredibly attractive for people like Michelle, people like me who um, appreciate the arts, appreciate technology. Michelle um, grew up playing violin and also in, grew up in Palo Alto around a lot of like, technology and engineering. And so she very much had um, those two sides going into school and wanted to find the place where she could really excel in, in the arts and in um, technology. And I think I had a very similar um, calling as well. I I grew up like fast with a deep fascination of technology, just like jailbreaking iPods and iTouches and trying to learn how to program apps in like middle school and just um but it but it wasn't really my identity. It was more just like an interest. And I also had a deep calling for entrepreneurship and wanting to start a company since an early age. Uh my dad is an entrepreneur and always has been. And um, that was a huge inspiration for me. A lot of people in my family are entrepreneurs. And so I really didn't see myself, um, couldn't see myself doing anything else. Um, I wanted to have the biggest impact I possibly could on the world. And I think I understood that 
um, carving my own path and like creating the world that creating the world, the products, the experiences that I wanted to see in the world was um, the best way to create the most impact as well. That makes total okay. sense. So I, you had mentioned your co-founder, Michelle, and I think for especially first-time founders, one of the biggest questions is, how do you know if I'm finding or working with the right co-founder? So in your particular situation, what about Michelle kind of confirmed for you that she'd be a great partner to have on this? Yeah, no, I couldn't, couldn't imagine doing this with anyone else. She was, uh, she always has been and continues to be an incredible uh, business partner and friend. Um, Michelle is someone that was always an inspiration to me to, um, as a mentor in pursuing technology as more of a career um, and opening my eyes to like the scale of impact you can have uh, through software. So she started her career at Meta as a, um, at WhatsApp, touch building products for billions of people, um, just straight out of college. That was, that was not, that was just insane to me about like the amount of scale you could have as a new grad. And she very much opened my eyes to that, but she was also just like a good friend of mine and someone we would, we would talk about like have the most stimulating and engaging conversations all the time. And when I started building discs, um, she's one of the first people, if not like the biggest person that I would just ask questions to. And just be like, how, hey, how, how would you approach this problem? How would you approach this technical problem? What do you think about this? And she was excited and energized to help. And she's incredibly smart. And we just kind of had a working chemistry that was tested through, uh, tested organically through just me asking questions. And um, when I was going to start my full-time job, I thought it would be a good time to work on this with someone else and help me take it to the next level. And it was a no brainer to ask her to be that person. And so let's talk a little bit about DISC. You obviously started it out of a USC class. What was the original, was what was the original idea behind kind of the short form Tinder kind of makeup of the app? And did you have a background in music? How did you kind of come to that subject area? Sure. No, I didn't have a background in music. Uh, I think I played guitar for a few years in elementary school or something like that. But uh, <laughs> no, I, I I had no intention of discs being a business. I always wanted to start a business, but I definitely didn't think that that was um, what was going to be my first one. I, for my, my senior year of college, I got... I just absolutely fell in love with programming. I It was a part of me that I kind of lost in high school, um, that like fascination for technology and computers. Um, but somehow when I was in college, I, that, I found that spark again. And after finishing all my business classes, I basically took the majority of the computer programming minor in my last semester of school, which is very much not advised at the time. Um, and I just went heads in and one of the, and for our capstone project for our intro to iOS class, we could basically build anything we wanted. And 
I decided to build like the foundation of um, what became discs just because it was a problem that I had, which was discovering music and going through music quicker. Uh, I think when I was a sophomore in college, like home over winter break, I wrote down in my notes app, I have a ton of business ideas is what it's titled. Uh, and I just wrote out like, I would love to swipe left and right on song previews, like Tinder. And um, that's why I decided to start building. And one of the interesting things about disc that stuck out to me is kind of the usage of short form video, kind of those, those like 15 second clips that you get. And we've seen the success of short form video on a grander scale at TikTok. Why do you think short form video is such a good way to market to Gen Z? Sure, short form video is definitely, um, <laughs> definitely appeals to Gen Z. And I categorize, I am Gen Z. So basically the reason why we chose short form audio in this case for discs was just because uh, it's what I wanted. Um, I, I don't have the, I, I would find myself spending hours every week coming through Spotify playlists, skipping to like the meat of the song, uh, deciding in seconds if I like it or not. If I like it, I'd have to like go press add to playlist, choose my playlist, save to that playlist, and then go to the next song and do the same thing. And I would just want to automate it for my own attention span. And one of the really cool accomplishments that you guys had that I read up about was that you applied to Y Combinator two months late and got accepted into the program. And so wanted to hear a little bit about your Y Combinator experience, learning about how to scale a company, especially at a place like that. Yeah, it's so funny. Where, where did you read that? I think the USC Marshall bio on disc. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Uh, yeah, so we were, after quitting our jobs, uh, we set off to take the algorithmic music recommendation uh app that i had that we, ha we had created and decided that the way we the next step we wanted to build was turn it into a social product because we think music music was inherently social is inherently social um and that is what we wanted to see was a great app with very novel social features to discover and share music with your friends and your community so when we started building the social product, we realized building a social product is a huge feat with massive graveyards, especially in the music category. And um, getting more support was the, while embarking on this journey kind of felt like insurance in a way. Um, and, and YC is a resource that we have always from tremendously via YouTube videos and uh, anecdotes from our friends who've gone through the program. So when I was visiting Michelle in Palo Alto once when we were just hacking away at this, we decided to spend just one day on doing the entire YC application and recording the one minute demo video and sending it in and just seeing what happens. Like we said, what's the worst that can happen? We just lose a day of time. And so if it was like, it's a few weeks late, I think, or, or maybe a couple months after the deadline. And we did this application in a day. We turns out we got the interview. And then we hopped on this call. We got grilled for 10 minutes. Uh, and then 
we got a call from someone who we admired tremendously, Dalton Caldwell. Uh, and he invited us to join the program in the Winter 22 batch, which was awesome. And I kind of want, want to build off of that experience. What were some of the main lessons you took from Y Combinator that maybe we didn't get, you know, in the USC entrepreneurship class about getting customers, scaling a company? What were some kind of the main insights you learned? Yeah, I think the best thing YC helps you with, especially as a consumer company, is um, what not to work, worry about, what not to focus on. And um, they really make it very simple, which is the two things you should be doing is building product and talking to users. Um, and they were so, so, so helpful in giving us the comfort to not focus on a ton of other things like legal things, like vanity things, uh, and just focus on the basics, which is just like building our product and talking to users. They also time box you, you know, it's three months and then you get demo day, which is where you get to pitch to thousands of the best investors. And uh, they want to support you by helping you come up with milestones to hit, to be able to have a successful fundraise at the end of that. So it's really like the guardrails and the um, mentorship of like, hey, like do not worry about those things. Like just focus on the fundamentals that are most important to you uh, that were most helpful for us, honestly. The access to people is also incredible. Like our group partners were crazy. Um, our, like the, the people that would come to speak that we'd get to talk to, that we'd get to like learn from are just of the highest caliber. And that was really exciting and special for us too. And also just like gave us the comfort that like we uh, have the advisement and the resources at the highest level uh, and empowered us to feel comfortable making the decisions we were making. That totally makes sense. And I think one of the biggest challenges that founders, especially for consumer and community focused companies or apps face is getting those initial users on board, right? Because those type of apps are only as valuable as the users that are generating content on it. So for you and Michelle, what was your initial strategy for kind of getting users on the platform? Was it like organic kind of sending it to friends? How did that process kind of work? Uh, so this is a, a very much YC like advice, which is do things that don't scale. Um, the first 4,000 people we got on discs were done in incredibly, like we found those people in incredibly scrappy ways. There's uh, Michelle was like DMing everyone on Reddit forums, telling them about our app from relevant posts. Uh, I, I met, when I moved to New York, I met a photographer for like that photographed a lot of music venues and festivals and concerts. And I, I once, we came up with the idea that if I could follow this photographer around and provide people with a QR code where they could access the photos to the event with a uh, upsell to download the app, then I could, uh, then we could get a bunch of downloads. And so I went around, I spent my 4th of July, even though I was like super sick for some reason, following around this photographer uh, and handing out these QR codes to, ev uh, to everyone that he took pictures of. And then he got too drunk and lost the SIM card to the photos, oh. which was a 
the bummer. Um, but we got, we were doing just like the crazy, I would text Michelle every time we got like 10 downloads. It was like such a big deal for us. Um, and then once we hit like over 4,000 people on discs, some, some people started making videos about, um, about our product and they, it just like organically resonated incredibly well with our target demographic I get, because we were building for ourselves and we are part of our target demographic. And so it just went crazy viral on TikTok. And in the first week of August of, I believe, 2021, we became the most, if not one of the most downloaded music apps in the world, like overnight, um, literally one night to the next woke up and we were number one in the app store music charts in the UK, Germany, Denmark, Australia, New Zealand, uh, number 12 in the US. It was just like uh, one night, one one moment to the next. And does yours, when you have a viral moment like that, I always think about this, you know, from people who become instantly famous overnight or they have a product that becomes really viral. Did your strategy change about how you thought about the app? Um, did you realize that maybe you had more product market fit than you thought you had? How did it going viral kind of change your perspective there? It's a great question. Um, we didn't, it didn't really change our perspectives on the product because we loved our product. Our friends loved our product and we knew that there had to be more people like us, but it really blew our minds. It's just like how important distribution is. And if you can if, if people, if you build something super simple that resonates with people and uh, you have a distribution channel that's powerful and then and low and effective, like low cost, like essentially we had zero acquisition costs, you can scale absolutely rapidly. Um, and then we learned the importance of retention and how it doesn't really matter if you don't get a million downloads overnight. Uh, if you can't, if you're not one, if you're not monetizing or into, if you can't retain those users and they don't keep coming back to use your product over and over and over again, then, uh, how, how fickle consumer is. Yeah. And we had talked offline about how the company is kind of going through a pivot right now, like all companies and all founders do at some point. So we kind of love to hear kind of what the company is up to right now. What we realized is a sense like uh, the first social version of discs is that every single time we gave our Gen Z users a canvas to customize, they took full advantage of it. Uh, group group cover up photos, for example, like people would take them offline uh, or onto Photoshop or whatever and create these crazy collages and bring them back into discs. Uh, mixed player customization is a feature within discs that people would take full advantage of. Um, and so one thing that came out of a hackathon we did internally in March of last year was blank canvas profile customization, just drag and drop different media elements onto this blank canvas to create a profile that essentially showcases your music identity. We evolved and iterated on that experiment within discs for many months and got to the point where we had built this insane multimodal canvas um, that people were leveraging within this disc, which is a music app, to do anything from create recipes that look like no recipes anywhere else, um, create blog posts and like fashion blogs that looked unlike anything else anywhere else, create um, 
fan pages, create mini games, choose your own adventure games, create all these things in ways that were 10 times easier to do anywhere else. And, and the outputs of those creations were 10 times cooler and 10 times more different than you could find anywhere else as well. And what we realized is like, what we were so, so, so excited about um, was the potential to essentially revolutionize the way anything created today digitally is created in the future. So essentially creating the media type for the gen, gen um, for the generative AI age. It's this blank multimodal canvas where you can drag and drop different any kind of media type, text, links, GIFs, photos, uh, as well as generate your own media types with AI, uh, your own media with AI to create anything you want in a way that's so much cooler and so much easier than anywhere else. And we've been working on this um, kind of stealth for a while, and we're about to launch it in a few weeks. Super exciting. I, I really love the idea. How does this kind of compare to, let's say, a Canva, which is kind of like an open source thing where you can kind of make your own, you know, content? No, it's 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 definitely like the next evolution of Canva. It's kind of like Canva meets Pinterest. Um, there's a net. It's there's definitely utility outputs, but there's also it's also based on a network where you can find inspiration and build off of that inspiration. And as you've now had some time to be a leader and a founder, how have you gone about building out the rest of the team? Oh, we have an amazing team. Uh, a lot of people from USC, a lot of people from our network from USC. So as I mentioned, my co-founder is from USC. Most of our first hires were from USC. And that really speaks to the caliber of marketing talent, engineering talent, uh, video talent, videographer talent, et cetera. Um, that USC produces. Uh, we love playing and we'll probably always play at the intersection of culture and technology. And I think USC is the epitome of that. And since you started the company and since you took on this role as kind of being the CEO, what is one way do you, that you think improved as a leader? Yeah, great question. I definitely think just being being able to pick a direction and run in it, being decisive and acting quick on your decisions, it's incredibly important. I think many great companies uh, have been made after drastic decisions and or after significant decisions that had to be made. And many com great companies were not made because of the lack of being able to make and execute and commit to those decisions. And so... Tell me about, obviously, you're making this pivot now. Why are you kind of going away from the original disc idea? Do you feel like this is just kind of the best part of the opportunity that you guys had already created? What was kind of your thinking behind the pivot? I wouldn't even say we're going away from anything. Um, and I think it, it's, it's difficult to classify it as like a hard pivot because this still exists and this is still working incredibly well. And the opportunity with this is still there. And I'd love to revisit it at some point very soon. The only thing is we came across something that just has the potential to revolutionize media in general and like the way that Gen Z is creating any kind of content. And the op that opportunity matched with capturing all the downstream value of these generative AI tools being created is just a 
multi-trillion dollar opportunity and we want to compete in the at the highest level in the biggest arena and that gets us there um that has that that does not mean that we like our thinking was anything but we need to move away from discs if anything i'd love to revisit it and i'd love to continue building it out and i think this can be the next major music platform um for this for this generation and all generations going forward this just our focus is changing because of something we have even more conviction in yeah no I, that that totally makes sense so one final question before we go what would be one piece of advice you would give to your 22 year old self as a senior in college nobody knows what they're doing just <laughs> like just, just do it and how do you think, I mean, when you say just do it, what's when students ask, you know, I have all these great ideas for a business, do you kind of just say you should tackle problems at the same time? How do you kind of going about doing, like setting that initiative? Don't overthink things. I think just do like, you never know where things are going to end up. I never thought this was going to be a business. I never thought we were going to end up building the next media type for the AI age. Like you just build what you're excited about and what you want to see in the world and you will uncover more information. So I, I guess the piece of advice is action breeds information. I love that. I love, love, love that quote. Action breeds information. Like just do it and you'll find out more. Nobody knows what they're doing. Well, Bobby, really want to thank you for your time today. Awesome to hear about DISC and kind of originated out of USC. I know a lot of my friends, but just kind of other USC students will really resonate your experience. So thank you again for your time. Thanks so much for having me, Eric. All right. Fun. Sounds good. All right, guys. Well, I hope you all enjoyed that episode. I know I did. Bobby was, as I expected, really great guest and he was only a couple of years out of school, so I thought his story was super relatable. You know, thinking about a couple of takeaways from the episode, I would say the biggest one was that he didn't really think that DISC was going to become a company at first. It was just really solving an issue that he experienced in his own life. And I think that's such an important place for founders and people looking to start companies to start is to look at what problems do you want to be solved and how can you be a part of that solution? And I think DISC and Bobby's work is a great example of that. And then to hear about Bobby and Michelle's uh, partnership, both as friends and co-founders was inspiring and really, I think, emphasizes the importance of finding the right person to found a company with because it really is a long-term commitment. So that's it for this episode, but we have a couple of new episodes that are coming up shortly, probably within the next week. So stay tuned with, for those.